the Republican presidential field is winnowing. Vice President Mike Pence recently dropped out. And yesterday, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott was the latest casualty. Tim Scott has said it's not his time. And Tim Scott is correct. It wasn't his time. He lacked the forcefulness, the ability to speak extemporaneously, but more importantly, the clear convictions necessary to be the president that follows and ends the Trump era, which has dominated American life for the last seven years. Despite the fact that President Biden has been in the Oval Office for three years, the simple truth is Donald Trump remains the dominant figure in American life. There can be no dispute about that, no debate about that. He is at the locus of a billion-dollar Trump industrial complex. He is covered ubiquitously by the news media that profits off of him. He is at the center of a billion-dollar grift of small-dollar fundraising and telemarketing cons. And all around him are groups like the Lincoln Project that need Donald Trump to survive. Without Donald Trump, grifters like Rick Wilson and Reed Galen wouldn't be able to pocket 93 cents of every dollar they raise from old ladies and pensioners who think they're helping democracy. Nothing is on the level. It's all a scam. And that's what voters see. It's why they have no trust, no faith, no belief in so many important institutions. Over and over again, they've been lied to and let down. The Republican Party has turned hostile to the precepts of American democracy. And you can see this on the debate stage with all of the candidates that are remaining. Let's go through them. But first, let's talk about the main difference between them, because there is a profound one. Every single candidate who was on a Republican debate stage this year is deeply flawed. Every single one of them subordinated their good sense, their common sense, their decency, for the purposes of trying to attain political power by getting behind the worst person and the biggest threat to the American Constitution since the Confederate States of America. Chris Christie stood behind Donald Trump as the first major credible presidential candidate who left the race in 2016. He stood there like a Stepford wife gazing at Donald Trump. And so these many years later that Chris Christie is right does not immunize him from that central fact. But put Chris Christie aside because Chris Christie is materially different than Nikki Haley and every other Republican on that stage. Mike Pence, along with Nikki Haley, along with Vivek Ramaswamy, in fact, along with every single candidate on the stage, raised their hands when they were asked a question by Brett Baer. 
The question was a simple one. Would they continue to support Donald Trump no matter what, even if he was convicted of multiple felonies? Remember, who's asking the question here? Brett Baer, the Fox News anchor, terrified of his audience. He did not want to tell them on election night the truth that Joe Biden had won the election and that Donald Trump was defeated. But nevertheless, years after the insurrection that Trump incited, the question is asked. And let's watch the response. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. Every single person blindly with the exception of Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie raises their hand. They will be with Trump forever, including presumably Mike Pence, the man Trump tried to hang. The biggest difference between Nikki Haley and Chris Christie in this moment is the most obvious one. Chris Christie is broken free from Donald Trump. The bonds of attachment are gone. But Donald Trump still owns Nikki Haley. She hasn't repudiated that. Her hand remains in the air. How can a person say, I have the judgment, the wisdom, and the experience to be the commander in chief of the most potent military in world's history and command the world's largest and deadliest nuclear arsenal? But I'm still for Donald Trump, a man who invoked the rhetoric and language of Hitler and Mussolini this weekend. He called his political opponents vermin. He's dehumanizing his fellow American citizens. He has plans to build massive concentration camps, deportation camps, where millions and millions and millions of people will be arrested off of the streets and herd it into them. Does that sound like America to you? Are you concerned at all that Donald Trump is talking about locking up his political opponents, imprisoning them? Because Mike Pence, he doesn't seem to be concerned. Mike Pence hasn't put his hand down yet either. And of course, neither has the demagogic Vivek Ramaswamy, paper thin, ignorant, dangerous, utterly fraudulent. Each of these candidates is auditioning for a role in the next Trump show, which will be the last show in America. Because Donald Trump has made clear the destruction of the American Republic is necessary for him to achieve his vengeance, for him to achieve his revenge. He's coming. He's saying the quiet part out loud. And here's the scary truth. If the election were tomorrow, Donald Trump would be elected 47th president of the United States. Where is the White House this weekend? Where is the response to Donald Trump calling his fellow Americans vermin? What do you do to vermin? You exterminate them. You literally call an exterminator. 
It's what Hitler called the Jews, vermin, rats, subhumans. And then he went on to murder six million of them and five million others. All the subhumans, all the vermin. This language is a moral outrage in the United States in the 21st century. It is unacceptable in that it is coming from a former president of the United States, an indicted and accused felon, a man who is a candidate, is appalling. It's dangerous. And it should be the occasion for a five-alarm fire across every corner of this country. That he said it on Veterans Day is a further abomination. The American soldier takes an oath to the Constitution of the United States. One million Americans from the Greens at Lexington and Concord at the first instance of revolution from Gettysburg to Normandy to San Juan Hill to the Argonne to Porkchop Hill and to Play Coup to Fallujah and Baghdad. One million Americans through the generations have given what Lincoln called the last full measure of devotion to an idea and to an ideal that Donald Trump is trying to burn down. You have a responsibility to stop it. You are an American citizen, and thus you have an obligation to participate and to stop it. You are an American, and as such, you are obligated to stand with your brothers and sisters of all races, of all creeds, of all nationalities, and to say, no, we are Americans, and we will not permit this. We will not permit our inheritance to be stolen. We are trustees of an experiment that will endure. It will be handed to our children and to our grandchildren stronger, more durable, and more resilient than the democracy we were born into. This must be all of our pledges. It is not a partisan statement. It is an American one. It is a necessary one because our country is under threat from within. A domestic enemy is arisen, and he should not be underestimated. He is coming for all of us. It's time to wake up. America is in great danger. We are in a grave crisis. Heed these words from Donald Trump. They should be taken literally and seriously. It is urgent to understand them and appreciate their context. These words are a matter of life and death in the third decade of the 21st century. Every young person in America must know what this is. What it is, is Hitlerism. What it is, is death. Warning that it's at the door and it's coming. Political violence, chaos in our cities, the American military being deployed against American civilians, 
a constitutional crisis that will tip America to the edge of civil war, if not beyond the edge. What is coming is the greatest test of the last 150 years. And the American people, by and large, are not ready for it. America's corrupted power class is not ready for it. America's corrupt media class is not ready for it. But nevertheless, it is coming. Let me read these words by Donald Trump. Heed them. In honor of our great veterans on Veterans Day, we pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country, lie, steal, and cheat on elections, and will do anything possible, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and the American dream. The threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Despite the hatred and anger of the radical left lunatics who want to destroy our country, we will make America great again. These words are a harbinger of death. The word vermin is purposeful. It's Nazi language. It's the language of dehumanization. What do you do to vermin? Exterminate them. Vermin aren't human. They're not even animals. They deserve nothing but death and erasure. And that's what Donald Trump is saying about his political opponents. That's what Donald Trump is saying to the American people. He is promising to give them concentration camps and fill them with millions and millions of people of black and brown skin to deport them. Can you imagine a million travesties like Elian Gonzalez playing out night after night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year as the camps start to overflow, as the camps become humanitarian crises in and of themselves, as the camps become a national stain a mark of dishonor and hypocrisy as the American Republican democracy melts away and the world weeps. It's all at hand now. Donald Trump is promising to imprison his political opponents. Donald Trump is promising revenge and vengeance on all who dared to oppose him. Donald Trump is promising to unleash a pre vetted army of followers of yes men and women to storm into the American government and to remake it, to strip it bare, to end the rule of law, to remake America in the image of its new leader, Donald Trump, an American dictator, an authoritarian who will pull the United States from the most important security organization in world history, NATO, and will try to do deals with Russia and China 
to carve up the world. The only answer to this is better. We must get out of this place. And the only way to get out of it is to break free of it. Break free of the gravity of it, the hypocrisy of it, the meanness of it, the callousness of it all, and the utter, utter, fantastical, delusional detachment from reality that plays out moment to moment across the American media. The divisions in our society must be addressed, not fueled. 83-year-old Jim Clyburn of South Carolina said something that is being treated as a moral statement by corrupt media, when in fact, it is as divisive a statement as has been said in 2023. It is worthy of this MAGA moment. What Representative Clyburn said was this, talking to a white voter in New Hampshire disrespects a black voter in South Carolina. This is deeply and profoundly wrong, as has been pointed out. But let me elaborate. If you go to the New Hampshire State Capitol, surrounding the rotunda and the bottom floor are cases of battle flags. Some of those cases haven't been opened since 1917. In one of those cases are the regimental battle colors of a New Hampshire regiment that followed into battle the men of the 54th Massachusetts at the Second Battle of Fort Wagner in South Carolina. The charge of the 54th Massachusetts into the Confederate guns on that day was a historic occasion. Its legacy belongs to all Americans. It should be known to all Americans, and it should be celebrated by all Americans. Frederick Douglass had two sons in the 54th Massachusetts. Its white officers who led the black men into battle were thrown into a mass grave with them, buried with them, as they died for their freedom in a desperate charge, in a desperate hour. The 54th Massachusetts was raised by the United States Army as the first black regiment that would fight for freedom. It would fight the Confederacy. They became legends. And behind them came the New Hampshire men who came to South Carolina to fight for the freedom of their fellow man. We are all connected as Americans to each other through the centuries. There is a great prophet of moral truth in our rancid age who left us only recently. And that of course is the great John Lewis. John Lewis crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge defenseless it was nearly beaten to death. With each baton blow, John Lewis reinforced the dignity of the human being. He showed through his dignity and courage 
that black men and women were human beings and deserving of the protections afforded to all citizens by the United States constitutions, because like all people, they're made in God's image. John Lewis said, no matter what boat our ancestors came in, we're all in the same boat now. Isn't that the truth? There are so many Democrats in Washington, D.C. that are enraged at the American voter for daring to assert they don't want the 82-year-old president to run for re-election. And they want to see generational change from men like 83-year-old Jim Clyburn. The evidence, the necessity of his retirement is clear by the obnoxiousness of statements that infer talking to one group of Americans disrespects another, as if talking to an Arab American, as Congressman Phillips pointed out in Michigan, disrespects a Jewish American in New York or disrespects a Native American in Oklahoma. This is all nonsense, insanity, division, foisted, pushed on the American people in a cold civil war, ignited, kindled, and spread by our politicians and toxic media. Over and over and over again, the American people try to say something. They try to be heard. They try to be listened to. But it's impossible, isn't it? Because no one will listen. No one will hear. Instead, it's the most powerful people in the country who are perpetually cast as victims victims of the American people who are dissatisfied with their mighty achievements and ungrateful for the world we live in with all of its bounties and all the blessings afforded to us by the achievements of this Congress. That is truly a delusion. And yet that delusion is conventional wisdom inside the DNC inside the White House, and across the media establishment. The question at hand in American life is, who is on your side? It's definitely not Donald Trump. And it's absolutely not an 83-year-old congressman who says, if you talk to a Black voter in South Carolina, you're disrespecting an Arab-American voter in Michigan or a Jewish-American voter in Florida or a white voter in New Hampshire. Aren't we all Americans in the end?